The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Bird. I'm continuing on for Dan Celia. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking a lot here about the things that are going on in Russia and Ukraine, the sanctions, the decrease in oil supply. We have um, OPEC meeting coming up. They're going to start to talk about increasing production there to make up for some of the production that we're going to not see from Russia, but it, it won't quite be enough. We need to produce oil in this country. We need to get back to a state of energy independence, and we need to be able to supply oil and gas to help our friends in the EU so that they don't have to buy the Russian oil and gas. So we're continuing to see gas prices just continually hit all new highs, just steadily increasing day by day. So this is in spite of release of a million barrels a day from the strategic petroleum reserves, which, by the way, we tend to fall back on when we have lots of hurricanes uh, or when we have catastrophes like hurricanes. And we are seeing the weather experts predict an unusually active hurricane season this year. So that is another thing that we are going to continue to watch as we get hurricanes that develop in the Gulf, which, by the way, there is already one out there. So we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on all of that, too. So just um, wanted to mention that. We do have a caller that we're going to get to. Let's go to Nelson. Nelson's calling us from Louisiana. Good morning, Shana. Uh, have a question about, okay, first of all, I'm 64, retired for 18 months. I, I've been a partner for four years. I've been using the income asset allocation model, and um, it served me really well. I'm up about uh, 12% with the way the market's crazy right now. So, But you mentioned last week to a couple of callers that the income portfolio, and I am using a lot of the income. You mentioned that the 65 to retirement might be better for someone in my age range. So the question is, should I migrate more towards that 65 to retirement? You know, a little by little, basically, I can move money out of utilities into uh, two of the um, sectors that I don't have in the income portfolio. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea because I keyed in on what you said that you're using some of the income but not all of it. So one of the one of the main differences that I see between the income portfolio and the 65 into retirement is the emphasis on growth. So I tend to say if you if you think that you have less than a a 10-year or less life expectancy, and you're using all of the income from the portfolio, then the income strategy is the best one for you. If that's not the case, you know, if you're if you're 64 years old, you probably have a life expectancy of at least 15 to 25 more years. So especially with inflation being high right now, you're going to need some additional growth. The money that you're not using for income should really um, should be directed more toward there. So yes, I think you can. Now we are going to be updating the models. Um, probably not much change to the income model, but the 65 into retirement model will, will be changing a little bit here in the short term. So I think it's a good idea. You're 64, you're not using all of the income. Now you can still remain income focused in the 65 model. So as you're building that, the difference is really going to be the percentages, um, towards the different sectors. That's going to be the difference between the income and the 65 model, but you can be income focused in the 65 model. So as you're filling out all your sectors, if you have a choice between uh, one of the blue stocks that indicate income, you know, definitely choose that one. Uh, 
if you're trying to decide between two different stocks in one sector, you can always choose the one that 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 pays the better dividend. That can be the deciding factor for you, and that's going to help you uh, increase the income in your portfolio. Right. I I really appreciate all that advice, and I actually kind of started doing that earlier this year. Um, I, my wife gave the suggestion to look at some more growth-oriented stocks. So I have some of Dan's yellow stocks. I have actually bought a few of his 12 for 22. So I've kind of done that. The, the biggest problem I have is the utility sector and the income asset allocation is such a high percentage that that's the place I can kind of move money around from. So I, I'm totally on board with what you said. I'll wait for the buy list to be updated. I'll wait for the asset allocation to be updated. And then I'll just take my time and uh, migrate little by little. So, I, And I think a lot of your income investors may have had the same question because I can't ever remember Dan specifying kind of that breakdown of early age to later age. And I've, I've been very successful in income portfolio, so I don't have a real problem with it just probably the right time to start making that migration. So thank you for right. all your help and thank you for sitting in and, and doing such a wonderful job. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your support. I really appreciate that, Nelson. And that's a good thing. You know, Dan always did say, use the income portfolio if you're taking all the income. So I think that people and the partners really appreciate the strategy to build income. And that is such a crucial thing. And Dan did a great job of laying that foundation and getting people and thinking that way, because what happens is that all of a sudden now you're not just arbitrarily invested in the market or in some investments that you don't understand. By following the financial issue strategy, you un you come to understand that you're an investor and that you own individual companies if you're following that particular strategy. And you can see the benefit, uh, one of the benefits of owning those companies is that you get income from them and that you get dividends. So I think it's just a, a really great foundation that Dan laid in, in helping people understand those things and the value of income. And it really kind of gets our focus off of the value of the portfolio, because I think fundamentally we understand that it's our principal that has the power to generate income, right? And so if our principal decreases in value, then our income is going to be impacted because Dan would always say, you know, there's going to come a day when all you care about is how much income you have coming in every month. And that's the the beauty of the income portfolio is that you now see the income coming in every month, every quarter, you see it on a consistent basis. And you also see that the value of your portfolio can go down and the income not be in, be affected. So that's where we find a lot of value there. I think the different, the main difference is going to be that um, if you have a longer than 10-year life expectancy, you're going to need some growth in there as well. And if you're not taking all the income, that's what I hear so many times when partners call and they say, well, I'm an income investor, but I'm not spending the income. So if that's the case, then you're not really an income investor. Maybe you're a 65 into retirement investor who just really focuses on dividends and the, the income producing ability of stocks. So we've been getting a lot of questions about that. I'm glad that we've got to, to shed some light on that. And just to kind of wrap up, Kathy is asking about IN80. She's down 20%. Is it still a good investment in this economy? Uh, it's on the broad list, but trying to conserve funds in the account. So yes, if you have it, it is a, is a it is definitely a hold. It is a foundational stock. Um, it is in yellow. So what that means is that those are the companies, those are the kind of the cornerstones of your portfolio, the foundation that you're going to build everything around. Typically, you will not sell those foundational stocks unless you end up getting you know, way too overweighted in that position. There could be a time to trim some foundational stocks, but for the most part, those are just things that you buy and plan to hold on to for a really long time. Stick with us. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. 
Oops, there's a piece I missed a little bit. Grandpa, why do we always pick up litter when we go hiking? Well, we're just making it nicer for people who come after us a little bit. It's called stewardship. My grandfather taught me that you should always leave a place better than you found it. That it's important to invest in the lives of your children and grandchildren, leaving them with a godly legacy they can build on. That's why I decided to set up a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. It's called stewardship. I know that my gift will support a ministry that honors the biblical principles I hold dear, and it's a way to invest in the future of our country. The AFA Foundation also arranged for me to have a steady fixed income, so I don't have to worry in the midst of changing times. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And, and show to show her, her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and, and to, to take, take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple, temple of, of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus. Read his word daily and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burke, continuing on for Dan Celia. I have Craig Halbert here. Let's welcome Craig. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Good to be here with you, Shanna. Great. Well, we're hearing of the grain in Russia that and uh, that that Russia won't allow out of the Ukraine. Can you talk to us a little bit and tell us how will that impact our food supplies and or prices this year? Yeah, there's been some interesting developments, I think, in that uh, line. Uh, Russia's uh, deputy foreign minister came out and uh, said that Moscow is exploring ways now to supply the market with with grain and fertilizer from Russia and the Ukraine, uh, in spite of the sanctions being placed. And interestingly enough, they're meeting with representatives from Turkey next week to explore ways in which they can allow Ukrainian uh, grain to be moved out of those ports. I think one of the big sticking points there is that there's been a lot of uh, landmines, not landmines, but mines sowing in the, in the waters around those ports. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they work through that. Also, some speculation that they're offering to do this in an attempt to try and get uh, some of the other sanctions lifted. But I, I don't see anybody backing away from the sanctions that already have been imposed on Russia. So uh, the impact on wheat prices in particular, of all prices, I guess, generally speaking, was pretty negative. The, the markets got, got beat up pretty good. Um, we'll see how these talks go. I believe it's June 8th that they're going to be meeting with uh, folks from the, the Turkish government and um, it's kind of interesting to see a 
Turkey and Russia in, in some sort of alignment too. So that could have some longer term implications as well, perhaps. So how does that, how will that impact our, our food prices this year? And, and how long do you think this will last into the future? You know, I, I think this year, I'm not convinced that they're going to uh, get their situation straightened out. And, and we do have, I think, greater issues. Obviously, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has exacerbated uh, the, the shortages of food worldwide. But we were headed this way uh, prior to the invasion as well. If you look at the situation in wheat, for example, uh, if, if we stop producing wheat right now, we have enough wheat worldwide to last for 10 weeks. And those are historically pretty tight supplies. And this is at a time when we're seeing some real production challenges. Obviously, we saw a drought in, in Brazil this year impacting their production. Uh, India, which is uh, one of the top 10 wheat exporters in the world, is, is facing a drought situation. Uh, we've got ongoing droughts in, in Europe. Uh, we're seeing the French uh, wheat crop continue to deteriorate pretty rapidly. And of course, here in the United States, uh, in our, particularly in the hard red winter wheat areas, Western Corn Belt, we've got a, a pretty severe drought in spots. Uh, right now, only 29% of our winter wheat crop is ranked as good to excellent. So it would appear that um, we're kind of a, a continuing a wheat shortage. Uh, you look at other commodities, uh, we had the planning progress report showing that 86% of the corn crop is now planted in this nation, which it's about uh, online. I think the five-year average would be for 87% to be planted by now. But we do have two lagging uh, states. Uh, Minnesota is about 10% behind what they would normally be. Um, North Dakota came in at 56% planted. I believe normally by now they're at 82 or 83%. So if you look at some of the models that predict um, planted acres and prevent plant, uh, they're projecting that about a million acres of, of corn will not get planted in North Dakota this year and about another 400,000 acres in, in Minnesota that won't get planted to corn that we're planning on. And so that starts to tighten up uh, that, that picture as well. Um, I, I just, I think uh, the bottom line is we're, we've got uh, a, a, a food crisis starting to take shape around the world. Yeah, I was going to say, so we're starting to hear that. What is behind the, the, phenomenon that we're seeing in Minnesota and North Carolina right now being so far behind where they normally are? Is it weather? Is it something else? Uh, they've had some, uh, North Dakota particularly had some, some very tough, tough winter. And then as we got into planting season, they got hit with uh, some pretty torrential rains, uh, both in North Dakota and, and portions of Minnesota. And uh, they just have not been able to get out in the field and get the crop planted. I got you. Well, in the Ukraine, you know, we've seen these pictures of all of the grain stores there and, the, you know, that Russia's not letting them get out. How long will that grain stay good? I mean, would it would it just go bad and, and not be able to get out into the food supply at all? Well, it really depends on the condition of the elevators it's being stored in. If, if they've got good air, aeration in there, it can keep uh, air on the grain and, and keep turning it. You can store grain for a long time. Wheat, I would say, you can store longer than, than corn, based on my experience. Um, I, I've, I've actually, in the past, moved some corn, or excuse me, some wheat that had been in storage for seven years. And as long as you'd protected it from insects, you'd add good aeration on it and everything, uh, it, it, was, it was good quality wheat, so it maintained its quality. My fear is that in Ukraine, especially in a time of war, uh, that quality is not being maintained. If they lose electricity, can I keep air on that grain and whatnot, it, it can spoil pretty rapidly. Uh, the danger there would be for it uh, to heat up internally and you actually get heat damage in that grain and that can be pretty severe and, and, and to your point, uh, potentially ruin it uh, as, as grain that can be used. Okay. What about the chemicals that we need from Russia and Ukraine for fertilizer? How dependent on them are we for fertilizer? Can we get it from other sources? Is it just going to create a worldwide shortage? In the United States, uh, we're sitting in pretty good shape from that perspective. Um, we do bring in a, a lot of our fertilizer, for example, will come out of, out of Canada, as well as some uh, domestic type things. What we're probably seeing, though, is, is a greater impact uh, in the Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, 
we're already seeing buyers start to back away from those record high prices uh, and, and not apply fertilizer, not apply as much fertilizer. I think that's going to be the case in, in South America as well. And, and to an extent, we're already seeing it in, in Europe. As you well know, Shannon, probably one of the best cures for high prices is high prices. And uh, we've already seen uh, ammonia prices, for example, start to back off a little bit. Uh, prices for Tampa, Florida in May were $1,425 a metric ton. That dropped down to $1,000 a metric ton. Uh, so it, it seems like the lack of, of demand or price rationing because of demand is starting to take place. Now, even with pullback in prices, we're still 87% higher than we were a year ago. So we're certainly not talking cheap prices. But I, I do think that the impact at, at a point, you start to price yourself out of the market. But of course, if you don't use the fertilizer, um, then you also see a reduction in, in yields. And that kind of just, again, creates additional food shortages and, and insecurity worldwide. But the other issue that's not getting as much play is that a lot of the chemistry that's used um, in U.S. crops comes out of China. And we have some real concerns about that supply chain and, and uh, getting the chemicals that we need to, to treat our crops throughout the growing season. Not a lot of talk about that yet, but I think that could become a bigger story as this thing unfolds. Okay. So of all the things that you report to us every day, the prices of different commodities, what are the key statistics that concern you the most right now? Well, I think just the extreme volatility in the grain markets, um, especially for the, the farmers that may be listening to this, as you well know, um, your input costs have gone up dramatically. Uh, my fear is that um, we see people that are buying very high-priced inputs, whether it's fertilizer, seed, chemistry, uh, in the expectation that prices are going to be maintained at, at these kind of price levels. I think a worst-case scenario from a farmer would be to pay these kind of, of numbers for his input costs uh, and then for some reason see prices plummet. And uh, when it comes time to market that crop, uh, prices dra dramatically below where we're at right now. Uh, what we're encouraging people to do is sell enough bushels um, to pay the costs of the input costs right now, um, at least get that much locked in so you know that you're, you're kind of protecting yourself. The other thing that they need to be aware of, of course, as the futures market tends to go up, there's a tendency for the basis to weaken. Um, dug in too deeply in the woods, that, in the weeds, that the, the price that a farmer receives or anybody receives for commodity is made up of two things. It's, made up of the, the futures market out of Chicago, that price, and then something that's called the basis, which is just the, the differential between the local cash price and, and the futures price. And it usually reflects transportation costs and those types of things, uh, localized demand, Shannon. Um, I think as, as things have gone up, um, as futures prices have gone up, we've seen basis weaken a little bit. I think this is an opportunity for farmers that might be listening to this uh, to sell the sell the futures, get that portion of the crop hedge. And then as we get into the summer and some of these uncertainties tend to unravel, I think we could see a pullback in futures. At that point, the basis should should strengthen and allow producers a chance to, to lock in a, maybe a stronger basis with already a, a pretty good futures price to kind of maximize the cash price they receive. Okay. How do you see any of these current events with food and fertilizer tying into biblical prophecy how do you um do you see any things any trends kind of coming together i i do I, I think as you look at some of the coalitions that are coming together um whether it's it's uh russia and, and turkey we're also seeing china kind of jump into that mix i see, think biblically um there, there's certainly a, a precedent for that from a biblical perspective the other thing that I keep coming back to is, is we talk about food shortages and, and famine, that type of thing. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to mess up the reference here, but it talks about a, a day's wages for a peck of barley, I believe, or whatever the measurement was, um, indicating that, that in the last days we will see uh, famine and we will see extremely high grain prices. Um, I don't know if we're real close to that, but we're certainly seeing. I think the kind of foundation that will allow those events to ultimately happen. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate all of your expertise and insight. You're such a great resource to our farmers and ranchers, and and you help all of us understand what's happening there. So, So we're so grateful to have you. Welcome to FISM News. I'm Ian Patrick. And I'm Samuel Case. You can watch us on FISM.tv and by downloading the FISM app. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FISM News. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250 keyword baby, pound 250 baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com. India Partners is an international and humanitarian organization providing life-changing care to children and families in extreme poverty in India. Will you consider supporting India Partners? Your gift will provide food, education, medical care, counseling, and a way out of the red light district. Additionally, you can give to provide a family with safe and clean water. Go right now to indiapartners.org and learn more about how you can share the love of Christ and change the lives of people in India. Your gift is a tangible expression of faith and love for the ongoing ministry in India. Go to indiapartners.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Repel and Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. My opinions are my own and don't necessarily represent those of the station or media outlet that you're listening on or my broker-dealer. So thanks for hanging with us. We're going to go right back to calls. We've got Dina calling us from Michigan. Hi, Dina. Hi, Shanna. Thank you so much for continuing on in the ministry. We appreciate that um, so much. Um, My question is regarding uh, the C-70 fund. Okay. Um, I don't quite understand how they work, what makes them go up and down, and how the dividends are paid. And I was just wondering if you could clarify that a little bit so I have a better understanding. Okay. So that particular one looks like it pays a quarterly dividend. So the last time it paid was in March. I would suspect that it's going to pay again in June. It is a um, it is a mutual fund. So it's a collection of very short-term inflation-protected securities, so government securities. Um, As interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So that's why we've seen downward pressure in this particular fund. But, um, you know, if you go in, if you're on the partner side and you read the description for that particular uh, investment, you're going to see that there will be some volatility involved there. But if this is just a a parking place for some, you know, short-term cash, but not too short-term, and when I say short-term, I'm talking more like, you know, two to five years, um, you're going to get some pretty good uh, yield on it. In fact, I just looked up the yield there. Um, 
And I, I believe the yield is over 5% right now. So that has some to do with the fact that it's gone down in price a little bit. So anytime the price goes down, the yield goes up. Um, I would expect that to recover. They're very short-term securities inside this particular uh, fund. So as they come due, there's going to be new ones that come in and it's really tied to inflation. So the higher inflation goes and we're, we're sitting at some pretty high levels of inflation, it's going to be tied to that. Okay. All right. Is that a fund to stay in? We bought it shortly before Dan became ill. I think it's when we put a, a larger sum in it. It was still on the buy list at that time. Um, we had put a little bit in and then we added to it. Should we just sit in tight or add to it? We're a little bit low in in the allocation there. Um, don't buy any more. If you're low in that, if you're low in the allocation, then it would be okay to add to it. Um, you know, this is again, it's a, a it's a good place for some of your cash position, especially with as high as the the cash allocation is right now. It's going to get you a good yield. Um, you know, if you've owned this, and we always talk about owning it long term, so I know that you you just established the position, but you know, there were there are probably a lot of partners that can tell you that they've been in it for you know two, three, or five years, and even though they're not as high, uh, the, the value isn't as high as it was maybe six months ago or 12 months ago, they've more than recovered uh, or more than made up for what the value is down now by just sticking in it and continuing to get the dividends. So, okay. you know, I would encourage you to do that. Okay. All I right. think we bought Thanks our first ones about a year ago and then have added to it, you know, maybe six months yeah. ago. So. Okay. All yeah. right. Thank you very yep. much for explaining that. You have a great day. All right. Thanks for your partnership. We really appreciate it. All right. Let's go to Maynard. Maynard's calling from Ohio. Hey, I'm, I, I want to start by saying I'm a partner. Um, I'm retired in, in my 60s and um, and transitioning to an income portfolio. And, and uh, you know, I, I am... Biblically responsible investing is something that I, I'm so thankful to have found, Dan, and 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 also to to have you take take over for him. I, I wasn't able to listen to your conference call live, but I did. I listened to it over the weekend once it was posted, and and it was it was just really great to hear to to hear your heart, and uh, and I'm just I'm so thankful. God bless you for what you're doing. I'm, I'm sure this is not an easy easy thing for you but uh thank you for doing it for for us you're welcome it's my blessing nothing nothing worth doing is easy right the lord will be with us in it all and that's what we're counting on i i have a question um we inherited uh, my wife's parents have both passed away and so we inherited several different accounts um investment accounts from them one is in a just a strictly investment account another is an ira um, from from Wells Fargo, and I, well, they have been the worst of, of dealing with with their with their deaths. They, they Wells Fargo has been one of the worst. <laughs> and and we wow. we have, we're still in the process of getting everything out of out of uh, into from Wells Fargo into TD Ameritrade. And and I called. We have I have a list of stocks that. Um, that I the first thing I did was compare it to Dan's broad list to see if the companies were were biblically responsible and 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 most of them are not although I was surprised some some are um, and I have been using the screener that uh, to to check the the stocks but it's going to take months to go through the list of of them and I, I didn't know if there was any faster way to to learn, I, I, I would love to get rid of the ones that uh, that are not biblically responsible. And, and uh, so, just for your advice, is is there any way to to check the the stocks that, other than the five five per month that that we're allowed to do? Um, you could try to send the list to Pat and see if she can. Um you know, get those for you quicker than just doing the five a okay. month. I know that can be a little bit of a holdup, but you might try uh, sending them to Pat and see if she can 
help you with that. But um, okay, yeah, I will, that's going to be. Do that. I, I I will do that. That uh, and again, thank you, Shannon. God bless you for for what you're doing. Um, I, I feel confident. I've I've been I've I've been a partner long enough. I've made I've made mistakes. And and I you know I've come to the conclusion what what you and Dana both said that this isn't my money it isn't our money it's God's money that I just want to be I want to be a good steward and uh, and you're helping us to do that so thank you thank you so much well thank you for that encouragement and I commend your heart to be biblically responsible because it is a conviction you know we we have to really understand what it is that's what the ministry is here for to help people change their minds about money first we have to change our mind about whose it is even though the uh, the name on the statement is ours the name on the bank account is ours the name on the paycheck is ours the name on the social security check is ours it really is not ours Psalm 24 1 says the earth is the lord's and everything in it and the lord made everything he is responsible to sustain everything and this is just how he has chosen to do it in this day and age. You know, when the when the Israelites were around, uh, you know, when they were set free from captivity in Egypt, they didn't have Social Security or pensions or paychecks or anything like that. The Lord rained down manna from heaven and fed them every day, gave them shoes and clothes that didn't wear out. So the, because the Lord is sovereign, he gets to take care of us in whatever way that he chooses. And even though, you know, it's a little bit more deceptive these days because our name is on everything, it wasn't for the Israelites. So they had a daily reminder of how dependent they were on the Lord. We don't. Um, we have to we have to remind ourselves. We have to read the scripture and we have to, you know, stay in the word and to stay grounded. And that's what we hope to do here at the ministry is to help people remember whose it is and then to know what we're supposed to do with it. So what we're trying to do here, number one, is to defund darkness. And we do that through biblically responsible investing. And so, you know, we have things like, you know, Mattel has just come out with the transgender Barbie. And they're trying to speak messages to our children that God is wrong when he said that, that he created man and woman in his image and that we can choose what we want to be, you know, so they're trying to change what the Bible says, speak that message to our children. You know, we have companies that donate money to Planned Parenthood, companies that will um, give their employees money to go to a different state to get an abortion, I'm sorry, to get health care if they need an abortion um, because their state won't let them. And what we're doing with Defund in the Darkness is we're saying we're not going to invest God's money in companies that are doing that. We are not going to be complicit in funding darkness. The second thing that we're doing by being biblically responsible and here on this program is that we're freeing your mind. Once you lose, you know, the notion that the money is yours and you have to take care of yourself, there's a whole new freedom that comes in with you and your money. And you can start to get a spirit of generosity. And now we can fund the light. So we defund darkness with biblically responsible investing. Then we're free to fund the light to fund the work of the Lord and the kingdom in this earth as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. So I'm Shana Burt. I'm continuing on this great ministry that the Lord raised up through the Instillion. We'll be back right after this next break, so stick with us. know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. 
Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at myccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Stay connected with us wherever you are. Watch FISM TV on the go 24-7. Download our free app today. Available now on iTunes App Store, Android Google Play Store, and Amazon App Store. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Thanks for sticking with us here at Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burke, continuing on for Dan Celia. And right before the break, we were talking about the purposes here at the ministry to, number one, defund darkness through biblically responsible investing, and two, to fund the kingdom of light through stewardship, through giving, and getting our minds right about whose it is and what we're supposed to be doing with it. So interestingly enough, I read some statistics this morning about financial literacy. And when tested on financial concepts, only one quarter of Americans between the ages of 23 and 35 demonstrated basic knowledge in financial literacy. One one fourth, 25% ages 23 to 35 had basic knowledge of financial literacy. Four out of five um, surveyed said that they used uh, a service, oh, the the buy now, pay later service to avoid credit card debt. So that just goes to show us that those who think that they are buying now, paying later, um, just because it's called something different are not using credit card debt. <clears throat> Might as well be the same thing. And now what's happening is that nearly a third of them can't afford the debt. So, you know, you see all of these ads now, you buy now, pay later. You know, it's really just a way to finance your purchase. What it does is it really um, increases the cart size for the places where you're buying online. It's a it's a delayed 
I mean, instant gratification, you know, you get what you want now, you get to buy more because it doesn't seem like as big of an impact if you, if you pay later. But folks, I mean, this is really, and the, the article that I read was really interesting because it said that um, young people were, knew that it was credit card debt that really devastated the baby boomers finances for so many years. So they were avoiding that. So now they're just going to call it, repackage it, call it something different, buy now, pay later. And they're, they're going to, you know, deceive these young people into getting into debt. So beware of that. There was a, a two of those buy now, pay later, companies that came out just recently and they affirmed huge losses. And, you know, this is only going to increase as um, we get back to normal, you know, if and when the Biden administration reinstates student loan payments, um, that's going to make this situation even worse. So we really need to make sure that we're teaching our young people, whether it's our our young children, um, our our kids in middle school and high school, we need to be teaching financial literacy. We need to be teaching them about money. And we need to be teaching them about money from a biblical perspective. So we need to teach them whose it is and how to use it responsibly. So that's what we try to do here at the ministry as well. Um, and now you have President Biden talking about wanting to wipe out $10,000 of student loan debt with just the stroke of his pen. Sounds illegal to me. You know, it's Congress that has been given by our Constitution the power of the purse. But now Biden, you know, he was just a few weeks ago just tooting his own horn about how much he's uh, decreased the deficit, you know, in uh, in our the government's budget has decreased the deficit, right? He was saying how he's done this when his predecessor just spent and spent and spent and increased our debt. But now he's talking about wiping out $10,000 of student debt per person. Not only is this not within his realm of authority, it is not fair. It is not fair to those who have paid their own student debt Um, The people that entered into student debt entered in very willingly. Nobody held a gun to their head. Nobody, you know, told them that they had to, you know, go to an expensive college or things like that. It's not fair to the people who responsibly uh, secured their education, maybe chose to go to a uh, school with a cheaper tuition than, than somebody else because they were being responsible and knowing how they could pay that back. And it's just, it's not right because you're, now you're going to saddle all of these people who have paid for their own debt, uh, got paid paid off their own student loans. Now the taxpayers, this money doesn't just go to debt heaven. He doesn't just, you know, use his pen and magically wipe out this debt. Somebody's got to pay it. And so what's going to have to happen now is that the taxpayers are going to have to pay it. So we're going to be increasing spending again. So it's just really ridiculous, but it's just, you know, his efforts to try to salvage just a horrible administration. I mean, he's got the worst approval rating in, I don't know, maybe even the history of a president. And he's just trying to do something to to save face. We have these elections coming up in November, and I encourage you, you know, start doing your research now. Figure out who you're going to vote for. Figure out who's platform aligns up with your Christian values and be ready to vote. You know, don't um, take off work if you have to. It's that important. You know, schedule a vacation day so that you can make sure to get to the polls if that's a if that's going to be an issue for you. But start planning now. It's very important. This election is crucial. You heard Dan talk about it um, last year that if this election in November doesn't go in a fair way, then we're in big trouble. So we have to get out. We have to vote. We have to make our opinions known. We have to make our voices heard. All right, let's finish up some of the social that we have here. And then um, as we wrap up the program here today, so Robert is asked, is 
asking a question. He says, good morning, question about Coinbase mining. Is that something I can invest in? Um, it is. There are companies out there that you can invest in that that do the technology, that do the mining and things like that. Now, we don't have anything um, on the list that we watch specific to that. However, we do have some companies that you can invest in that are indirectly involved with crypto um, in a in a less risky way. So um, just keep an eye out if you're a partner. We're going to be, we're working hard to get that buy list going again. And we'll make some notes as we put things on the buy list that may be indicated for that uh, subsector of the economy. Uh, Dan in St. Peter is saying, Shanna, is there a hard rule when to pay off your house or is it very dependent on a lot of factors? We have the cash uh, thank God to pay it off, but is it better to use it to invest? It's around three hundred thousand left on the mortgage. We are forty eight and forty six with two kids, one full time worker and one part time. So there are a lot of factors to consider whenever you're thinking of paying off your house. Now, everything that we buy is financed. So whether you use other people's money or whether you use your own money, you're still financing every purchase. So if you were, um, and, and so they're in their mid-40s, I would say pay a little bit extra to the mortgage, but I wouldn't use your cash to completely pay it off. You've got two kids. Um, it doesn't say how old they are, but they're going to be coming up on college. You want to make sure if you're planning on paying for that, that you have some money to invest in their college, if that's something that you're going to do. Um, so you want to have access to some of that money. Once you pay off your home, you're you're really just investing that money in your property. So, you know, we've seen home prices continue to go up. I don't necessarily think that it's a huge risk that you'll see uh, the value of your property go down unless you're just in a, a certain area of the country that is um, susceptible to that. But once you put your money into the house, now you you can only get it out in one of two ways. You've either got to sell the property or you've got to ask the bank or the financial institution if you can borrow that money back out of it. So um, I think it's a good idea to pay down, to pay extra under your mortgage, but not necessarily to use all of your capital to uh, to do all of that. And then uh, this is another comment from Dan, and he just says, Shanna Warrior, I thank God for your perseverance and work in this ministry and pray for your encouragement and strengthening and rest in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that encouragement. You know, the, the scripture says that sweet words are nourishment to our soul, and it really does strengthen our soul when we get cur uh, encouragement from other believers, and I, I really appreciate that. Um. Kim is saying in Massachusetts, I'm 60 and plan to continue working for seven years. I'm in the 55 to 65 allocation model. Should I reinvest the dividends to buy more shares or take the cash? I don't need the income. So I would say do not reinvest into the same security. Just have your dividends go into your money market account. As those dividends start to build up, now you get to make the decisions on where to deploy that money. So if you're lighter in certain sectors, you can deploy it there as you see fit. So folks, we're at the end of the hour today. I thank you for joining us. I'm Shanna Burt. I'm continuing on for Dan Silliam and join Seth on Friday morning for the Bible study. He's going to continue on to do that at 6.30 Central, um, sorry, 6.30 Eastern Time, 5.30 Central Time. You can find that information on the website at financialissues.org. I'm Shanna Burt. We will never compromise our principles and standards. We will never give away our freedom. We will never abandon our belief in God. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.